John, John chapter 12, we'll be reading verses 12 through 19. John 12, verses 12 through 19. This is the word of God. The next day, a large crowd that had come out to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things. It had been written about him and done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went out to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. As Americans, we have traditionally and typically had pretty mixed feelings about kings, about royalty. We had a king once, a long time ago, and that didn't last very long. We went our own way. That didn't work out uh, very well. You know, in Americans, we have, as Americans, we have governors and mayors and senators and representatives and congressmen and presidents. We don't look up and look around and see symbols of, of royalty around us. We don't see uh, kings and queens and lords and ladies and princes and princesses. Uh, we don't have a royal mail or a royal air force. We, we look at our money and unlike some countries we don't see crowns on our paper money or our coins. We don't see coats of arms We don't, have, uh, we don't have realms and empires. We have states and, and municipalities. But at the same time, we will stay up very, very late at night or get up very, very early in the morning to watch a royal wedding. Or a royal funeral. Or we'll mark it on our calendar when there's some kind of coronation. We will flock to see movies called The Empire Strikes Back. The King's Speech. Prince Caspian or The Return of the King. Why? 
why do we still have this interest? Why are we still drawn to those kinds of, of, of themes? You know, the Bible mentions kings or kingdoms close to right at 3,000 times. We are made, in spite of our, our, our mixed feelings, and we don't live in a culture in which we see the symbols, but we are made. In fact, every human being that has ever been born is made to serve a king, to worship a king. The Bible is very clear about that. Who is this king? Who is this king? What are his characteristics? What is he like? What would, she, what would we and should we expect from him? Well, it's all here. All the, the basics about Jesus Christ as king. Really, everything we need to know about Jesus as king is here. In this passage, Jesus as our king, the one we're made to serve, the one we're made to follow, the one we're made to be loyal to. And yet at the same time, we see here in this scene that there are some that would like to make Jesus, there are some that would like to make Jesus a national king, a political king. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Let's not forget the background, the setting here, the background, the setting for Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem is the Passover, the great celebration of independence, the great celebration of Jewish independence. It happens every year. Every year they look forward to it. Families gather from all over the Mediterranean and they make their way to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. To celebrate their independence. Uh, Josephus, who was a first century Jewish historian, said that there may have been as many as two million people coming into Jerusalem at this time. Every year. And it's a time to sing psalms. It's a time to dance, to celebrate to eat, to be with your family. It's a time of great celebration that happens every year. And the high point that happens every year at the celebration of Passover in Jerusalem is the sacrifice of the Passover lamb. Remembering when they were set free from bondage, remembering when they were set free from slavery, you remember the story taking the blood of a lamb and putting it over the doorpost so God would pass over and they would be sheltered, protected from God's judgment by the blood of the lamb. This is the background. This is the, the setting of this great celebration. And in comes Jesus. But there's a problem. The problem is Romans. The problem is a foreign invader occupier that has taken over Jerusalem. 
And in comes Jesus to this setting. They know the stories. They've heard the stories of David coming in and other kings coming in. Now maybe this king, this Messiah, this anointed one, is the final king. Maybe Jesus will come in in might and power and glory and rid us of the foreign invader occupiers, purify, clean out our temple, and we can be independent again. And we can worship God together in our independence as Jewish people. This is our hope, they sing, from Jesus. As Jesus comes in, they've seen him work miracles. They've seen him raise Lazarus. His reputation precedes him. And the hope is that Jesus is the final Messiah. Notice what they do. Matthew tells us they take their cloaks off and they lay their cloaks on the ground as Jesus enters. What does that mean? Some of these people are poor. They only have one cloak. And they're laying the cloak on the ground in front of Jesus as a sign of loyalty to majesty. Loyalty and commitment and trust in the king. They take their cloaks off and, and lay them on the ground as the king comes in. They take palm branches. This is Palm Sunday. They take palm branches and wave them. You know what palm branches are to these people? They take them off the trees. They wave them. You know what they are? They're a sign of national pride. Hosanna. Here comes the king. They're singing Psalm 118, 25, and 26. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us, rescue us, free us now. As Jesus enters. Today, again, we don't really have an analogy of this in our, in our culture. But if you go to another culture, say you're in London... And the, the queen is coming and, and people are waving the Union Jack, the, the flag of, of Great Britain, of the United Kingdom, and saying, God save the queen. God save the king. We have high hopes for a national ruler. A political ruler. And that's how many are seeing Jesus as he enters Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. He's a national king. That's how they want to see Jesus. And we, if we're honest with ourselves, can fall into the same kinds of temptations. Maybe this man, maybe this woman, maybe this person will be the hope that we've been looking for. Maybe this person will be the, the national ruler, the political ruler that we've all been waiting for. One commentator says this, The story of Jesus' 
entry into Jerusalem is an object lesson in the mismatch between our expectations and God's answer. The Hosannas were certainly justified, but not for the reasons that they had supposed. But not for the reasons that they had supposed. The bad news is that the crowds are going to be disappointed. The good news is that Jesus' arrival at the great city is indeed the moment when salvation is dawning. But not for the reasons that they suppose. Oh yes, Jesus will be a national leader at some point, but not then and not in the way that they expect. That's not why he's there. Well, there are others in the same crowd that are not expecting and not looking for a national king or political king. They're looking at an imposter king. And they are saying, how in the world can these people be so fooled? How in the world can this great throng, this great crowd follow Jesus? This poor carpenter's son pretending to be a rabbi, a teacher, a leader? We, the Pharisees, are the leaders. We know the law. We interpret the law. We obey the law. They should be looking to us. Who does this Jesus think he is? Who does this Jesus think he is? Now, what would make people call Jesus an imposter king? What, what would make people point at Jesus and say, he's not who he says he is. Number one, then and today, because he's a threat. Jesus is a threat to their pride, their hypocrisy, their independence. Their power, their control, so they blame him and say, he's, he's not real, he's an imposter, you can't believe in him, follow us. He's a threat. Why else would call, people call Jesus an imposter? Then and today? Because they're hard-hearted? Because they're cynical? You remember what happens at the end of the week. You remember Pilate, Pontius Pilate, Roman politician? So you say you're the king of the Jews. Aren't you going to defend yourself? You have nothing to say? John chapter 19, Pilate wrote an inscription and put it on the cross and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. 
And the chief priests said to Pilate, don't write that. Don't write the king of the Jews, but rather write, this man said, I am the king of the Jews. This man said, I am the king of the Jews. Remember what the soldiers do. They clothed him with a purple cloak and they twisted together a crown of thorns and they put it on him and they began to salute him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. He saved others and he can't even save himself. Come down. Come down. Prove yourself. You've saved others. You can't save yourself. King of the Jews. There were, uh, and, and I, almost, I almost don't want to say this, but it's all over the Roman world. You can find Roman etchings on walls and stone still today in the Mediterranean world that depicts Jesus. That depicts Jesus in a cynical way as a donkey hanging on a cross. That's how some are seeing Jesus as he enters into Jerusalem. He's a threat. They're hard-hearted. They're cynical. Why else would Jesus, why else would Jesus be accused of being an, apost- an imposter? Some there are also saying he's disappointed us. He's not what we expected. You remember at the end of the week, crucify him. You ever been disappointed with Jesus? Have you ever been frustrated with Jesus? They're angry. They're disappointed. And you know, lest, again, we point Fingers, haven't we all been there? Jesus, the king, is a, is a threat to our power and control and pride and hypocrisy. He calls us to follow him in his way, in his timing, according to his plan. And he calls on us as king to be obedient, to be loyal. He's king. What kind of a savior is this? (laughs) Who is this Jesus? What kind of salvation does he offer? Let's think of him this way. Not a national king, not an imposter king, but just that, a savior king. A king who comes to save. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Matthew 21.5 puts it this way, Behold, your king is coming to you humble, gentle, mounted on a donkey. 
Behold, your king is coming to you humble, gentle, mounted on a donkey. National kings come riding into town on war horses, in chariots, a donkey? Who rides donkeys? Poor people. Outcasts. Servants. Jesus. You can only imagine the disciples are Jesus. Think PR. What if this ends up on Facebook? Somebody might tweet this. What kind of image are we trying to convey? A donkey? The second person of the eternal trinity on a donkey? This king is one of a kind. Remember, let's, let's take a minute and just remember, this was a king who had a, a manger for a crib, a donkey for a chariot, a cross for a throne, and thorns for a crown. Kings don't do that. National kings, imposter kings, any kind of king you can think. Kings don't do that. Born in a cattle stall. Apprenticed to be a carpenter. Nowhere to lay his head. Endures the full force of every significant temptation that Satan can throw at him? Looks at Jerusalem as he's about to enter on this donkey and weeps? The only innocent baby ever born. dies like a criminal on a cross. Imposter kings can't die for your sins. Imposter kings can't put themselves in your place as a substitute to bear the penalty that you deserve for your sin. But Savior Kings, <laughs> the Savior King, can defeat once and for all, beginning at Palm Sunday, your greatest enemies. Sin and death. 
Imposter kings don't love you enough to give their lives for you, and imposter kings can't empty themselves and take on the form of servants and give their lives for you. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Imposter kings may win a few battles against the Romans. A savior king says, not only have I defeated your greatest enemies, sin and death, I am replacing the temple with myself. Now you come directly to me. And I love you. And I have given my life for you. I am the once and final Passover lamb. That has been slain for you. Dorothy Sayers once put it this way, Jesus will be victor and victim in all his wars and he will make his triumph in defeat. I love that. He will be victor and victim in all his wars and he will make triumph in defeat. Revelation chapter 5, Then I looked and I heard around the throne all the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads, thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb. There it is right there. A lion, a king, a lamb, all in one person. To him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And on his robe was written... King of kings, Lord of lords. And on his robe was written, King of kings and Lord of lords. By the end of this week, come back for Good Friday and come back for Easter. And you'll hear these themes again. And we can't ever hear them enough, can we? Peter will deny him. Disciples will flee. They will fall asleep when he needs them most. The crowds crowds who at the beginning of the week were saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. At the end of the week they will be saying, Crucify him who comes in the name of the Lord. And yet at the end of the week, Jesus Christ is the last one standing. And he is standing, fortunately for us, alone.
and paying the whole price, the entire cost for all our guilt and all our sin. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he says the words that we all so long to hear from each other, but more importantly from him. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Let me close um, by reading a a little section from a a commentator. His name is uh, Tom Wright. I don't agree with uh, everything he says, but I want to close with this. This is a challenge to me, and it's a challenge to you. As we arrive at Jerusalem with Jesus, the question presses in upon us. Are we going along for the trip in the hope that Jesus will fulfill some of our hopes and desires? Are we ready to sing a psalm of praise? But only as long as Jesus seems to be doing what we want. Are we ready not only to spread our cloaks on the road in front of him, but to follow him wherever he leads? Fortunately, he says, he doesn't wait for our motives to be pure or for us to have sorted out our lives to the point where we can look him right in the face, eye to eye, He has come to seek and rescue and save the lost. And if you invite Jesus into your life, he will do so more thoroughly than you ever imagined. Let's pray. Lord, as we consider this King, as we consider our Savior King, as we are about to stand and, and, and lift our voices and, and sing, lead on, O King Eternal, we pray that we would consider Him We would walk with him. We would trust our very lives to him. Knowing that he is humble and gentle. A servant. A savior. Giving his life. Lord, we pray that we would know this to to the depths of who we are and deep in our hearts and that it would 
change us. As we live by faith, as we trust in Christ, as we praise him, as the king of kings. Lord, we look around at our world and we're often very discouraged. And we turn and look at Christ and we are amazed. And we are full of joy and we are full of celebration. And we are overwhelmed by his love and his mercy and his grace. Oh, Lord, help us to live for you, to serve you, and to lift up our lives, to lift up our hearts, to lift up, lift up our, our voices with everything we have for you, Jesus. For we love and we live because you first loved us and lived for us. We pray all of these things in the name of him who came such a distance for us, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.